0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. A lot of people have very little understanding of joy, but I I, I jotted down this afternoon a, a number of things that just rose up in my spirit. Walking in joy is dependent upon what you're looking at. If you are looking at your circumstances and your circumstances are bad and the indications are you're not going to make it, you will not be walking in joy. But if, on the other hand, irrespective of what your circumstances look like, you're looking at God and God's provision, you can't help but walk in joy. And so the ability to walk in joy is dependent upon what you're looking at, dependent upon the perspective that you have of life. If you don't see yourself overcoming, if you don't see yourself victorious, if you don't see yourself able to walk through whatever situation you're going through and come out victorious on the other side, you will not operate in joy. You will not be able to experience joy because your focus is on the things that will cause you to come down, be depressed, be oppressed, experience failure and defeat. Uh, some time back, uh, I was, uh, in fact, months ago, uh, this is what the Lord quickened to me concerning joy. Joy is thrilling to the infilling. You know, we're exhorted to be being filled with the Spirit. Present, continuous, ongoing. Not once every six months. Not once In 30 years. Because there are a lot of people who are standing uh, in churches today, and they are the pillars of the church. And they got filled with the Spirit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Before the Bible. And there they are. And they believe that having been filled with the Spirit once... That was all that God required of them, and now they are charismatic. Sad. I think we need to understand something, that charismatic is not a label that is applied to a group of people who operate differently to your church structure. Charismatic is not a a label that you put on people when you don't identify them as basic mainline evangelicals. Charismatic, the charismata are the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit in manifestation. And I'm adding that word, in manifestation. So it leads me to believe that there can be a time when I am charismatic and there are other times when I'm not. Well, take it and think about it. (laughs) What is character? Character is who I am. That's what character is. Whoever you are now is character. That's the character you are. Are you faithful? Are you dependable? Are you reliable? Are you genuine? Are you honest? What is your integrity like? Are you sincere? Are you filled with love? I'm talking about the love of God. See, that's what you are. That's your character. When people say, what you see is what you get, I like that because it means there's no veneer. Now, I mightn't like what they're at, but I can always pray change. (laughs) Amen? Because God's not finished with any of us. The problem person is the one who has a veneer, a facade, and you don't know what's behind there. And they appear to be something that genuinely they're not. I'd much rather have a person stand up and just lay it all out there, spill your guts, and let's know what we're dealing with, and then we can get a grips with it and we can work through it rather than have a person who continually... You've got to peel away veneer, peel away facade, and you don't know if you're ever dealing with the right person or the person who's genuine. So Galatians chapter 5 is a good place to start because we're having a look here at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we need to realize that there is a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, they are gifts that belong to the Holy Spirit. They are for not only the body of Christ, but for mankind. The gifts of the Spirit are God's calling cards... And He operates them through the body, many times in the body. But don't restrict the operation of the gifts of the Spirit to the body only, because they, in actual fact, can operate for the benefit of people outside of the body, and that's the way that God gets people's attention. But He's going to operate them through the body. So the body of Christ has got to be available and know how to flow and operate. This is not just for the charismatics. This is for anybody because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was written to the entire church. I sat in a Baptist church for many years. I sat in a Plymouth Brethren church for many years. Never ever saw one of the gifts operate. And if it did, nobody recognized it as a gift. They were never taught. They were never talked on. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians was always spoken on because they were able to heap huge dollops of condemnation on you. But they didn't understand that that was written in the context context of chapters 11 through 14. They're all inclusive. You can't drop one out. But they lifted this out, and this is what they're going to hammer you on the head with, 1 Corinthians 13, because you're not walking in love, and they didn't understand what they were talking about. But we're going to love them and keep loving them, but I want you to realize that there is a difference between that operation and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you have a look down at verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, Verse 22, I'm not going to get into... Verse 16, the Holy Spirit says to the church, walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say try to. He says do it. Not an option. But if He says walk in the Spirit, it means that there is a place that I can come to in my life. You can come to in your life where we are walking in the Spirit. We've got to understand that, all right? So He's already made it possible. He would not require that of us. If it was impossible for us to do that. It's like the John 14, 12 exercise. And we, we, we keep throwing this out. But I'll tell you right now, if, God, if it was impossible for you and for me, Jesus says, the works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these will you do, because I go to the Father. And that's John 14, 12. If that was the case, and, and, and it was impossible for us to do that, then Jesus lied to us. But He didn't lie to us. Amen. It's just that we haven't discovered how to operate at that level of proficiency in faith and power. But we've got to learn to, because that's Jesus' expectation of us, the church. There is no reason for the church to fail. There's no reason for us not to walk in love. There's no reason for us not to walk in power. Everything that we require, heaven has already provided, it's ours. Now, what we've got to learn to do is embrace it, make it ours, and walk it out. How many of you have had a few challenges in your lives the last few weeks? Oh, my Lord, the whole lot of us. All right, that's good, because then this is apropos. Because, you see, you get the opportunity always to walk in love. How many of you have wanted to take hold of somebody and just sort of wring their neck? Oh, I'm feeling more and more at home. Beat the snot out of them. Sorry about that word, beat. (laughs) I mean, really, beat the living tar out of them. Come on, help me out here. Yeah, and it wasn't the devil either. It was a person, wasn't it? Yeah, I've been there, seen it, done that, got the t-shirt, got the cap, got the mug, got the bumper sticker. But that's not what God requires of us. And that's where we need to bring discipline in. I mean, some of you wanted to beat your husbands to death. Some of you wanted to beat your wives to death. Some of you wanted to beat your kids to death. Some of the kids wanted to beat the parents to death. And that's not negative. Oh, you're supposed to be a word-faith church. Yeah, you, know, you know, you shouldn't use those. Oh, come on, man. You know, that's that's where we're at. Amen? And we can be real, can't we? Yeah. See, no good me standing here saying to you, hey, spill I like the people who spill their guts and I'm not prepared to spill mine. Oh, and see, I want to knock the... Never mind, but out of them. I promise you, I really do. But the Lord requires something different of us. So when He says in verse 16, walk in the Spirit, it means I can. It does not mean I'm not going to be challenged. But now I move across to verse 22, and this is what I find. But the fruit of the Spirit... And you'll find that in your King James Version, it's a capitalized S for spirit, which immediately conveys the idea that we're talking about the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, in the Greek, that is not accurate, because that is not a capitalized S, that is a small s. That is not talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit doesn't have fruit. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Where do you find fruit? On the branch. The branch produces fruit. The recreated human spirit... Now filled with the life of God, God is resident on the inside of me. I've got His nature. uh, I've got His character. It was imparted. Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I've got it there. Whether I'm walking in it is determined by my understanding of how to release it. But it's there. I can get out there and I can walk in love. I have the ability to walk in love. So it's there. There is nothing that you and I need other than an understanding of how to embrace what already is ours. It's planted on the inside of you because God lives on the inside of you. It is not the fruit of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't have fruit. The Holy Spirit is it. God is love. Is the Holy Spirit not God? Help me out. So therefore, if He's God, how can He have fruit? We have the fruit. We manifest love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, temperance, all of those things. We do. It's on the inside of you. But let's have a look at this. Just uh, God gave me an illustration. Here I am and we're operating in the gifts of the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 10. We got Nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit operate in the body and through the body into the world on occasions. But we see in every instance that the gift of the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of discerning of spirits, whatever it is, is as the Spirit Wills very definitely their reference is being made to the Holy Spirit. So he determines who he's going to speak through, he determines who he's going to use. It's called the sovereignty of God, and you and I've got no say in that. You can't work it up, you can't beg him for it, you can't plead for it and expect an answer, yes, you're gonna be operated through on Sunday morning. You can't get that. It's just as he wills. However, that's the one side. But now, if the gift of the word of wisdom doesn't operate through us, we can rightly say, Well The Holy Spirit didn't do it. Amen? Because it's as He wills. However, when we get to the fruit of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is the one who's responsible for developing that in us, and we don't have it, I don't have love, I don't have joy, I don't have peace, and He's responsible for it, I I can say like I said with the gift, Holy Spirit never did the work. And that is not the case. You and I are responsible for the fruit of the Spirit. The life of God on the inside of us brought with it the entire character of God, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, and all those things, they are inside you. Now, what we've got to learn to do is feed them and cause them to grow and so that they start manifesting in our lives. Now, I want you to make a note of this mentally if you're not making any notes, but remember this. The fruit of the Spirit, irrespective of what it is, is always seen. There's an expression to love, isn't there? Joy. See, the person can't sit there like this. And say, I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. You'll say you're a liar, or you don't know what joy is. Same with peace, gentleness, goodness, teachableness, meekness, faithfulness. They're all seen. They're they're evidenced. See? People can see fruit in our lives, or lack of it. Amen? Amen. So... uh, I want us to realize, and this is important, that we are responsible for the cultivation of the fruit in our lives. And if there is no fruit, we need to check it out. Now, all of this took place when we got born again. If you have a look at verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I'm going to stop right there and say this to you. As I'm looking at this, and I've heard the illustration that the nine... Uh, fruits that I mentioned there, or fruit that I mentioned there, are like an orange. It's one fruit with nine different segments. I bought in on that, and uh, I, I've, I've revised my thinking. I have a feeling that the Scripture is right in what it says. The fruit of the Spirit that is filled with the life of God is Love. That's what it says? Amen. Now, I know there's some things that I added. I think those are the byproducts, yes. if you like, of love. Right. <laughs> okay? I think so. I think love, and out of love comes joy, Amen. peace, Amen. gentleness, out of love. See, uh, when the person's rubbing the feathers the wrong way. You know, John Osteen was the one who says, man, if you're rubbing the the fur on the cat the wrong way, get the cat to turn around. (laughs) If you don't like what is being said, turn your life around. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. So here I am, and you've got a person who's just continually rubbing you. The love of God which is the fruit of the recreated human spirit, enables you to look at that person, understand what is taking place, and love them despite. Do you understand that? Now, the same thing happens, I believe, when we start operating in joy. Joy is not happiness. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is directly related to and influenced by my circumstances. Happiness is situational. Joy is relational. I have the joy of the Lord imparted to me because that is what God is. God doesn't have it, God is it. And His nature and His character have come to dwell within me by the Holy Spirit who is God. God lives in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit live on the inside of every one of His kids by the Holy Spirit. So in 2 Corinthians 6.16 when He says, They will be My people and I will be their God and I will walk in them and talk in them. I will dwell in them. God is with you every moment of every day just on the inside. You cannot take Him off. Why? That's what made your spirit brand new. Recreated. And it's the Holy Spirit who lives there. All of God is on the inside of you. All the character, all the nature of God is on the inside of every one of His children. And so here I am and I'm walking in love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love enables me, love which is relational. I'm His son, He's my Father, is alive on the inside of me. Happiness is situational. Happiness is dependent upon whether I'm having a good day or not. Happiness depends on whether my circumstances are favorable and make the prospects look good or not. You get invited into your boss's office, and the boss says, We're having a look at the forward planning of the organization. We've noted your commitment, we've noted your diligence. And we're looking at developing a, an area over here, and we think that you are the person that should be heading this up. It would uh, carry an increase of about 30000 a year, and uh, company car, all the perks, and you say, man, this is great. Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. He says, now, that's what we were planning to do. However... We've just looked at the balance sheet and found we didn't make anywhere near what we were supposed to make and so we've decided to dispense with this activity. You're fired. Are you still happy? What happened to happiness? Did a nose die? Happiness is situational. Come on. Everything's going okay at home. I'm happy. I know there's ructions at home. It's been for three days, and I've got to go back into it. I walk in there, and my antenna are going like this, and I'm on my guard, and I'm not walking down any alley in that household without first doing a real good recce on that deal. <laughs> So I don't know what mines lying around the corner. I don't know what booby traps are there. Come on. Yeah. But you see, I can be living in that situation. I can be living in an and working in an industry that's up and down on a ro- roller coaster ride the uncertainty of that, in the natural, would cause you to be concerned. And yet, because of my relationship, and he said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake. He said, I will always be with you. He said, whatever you set your hand to prospers. He said, quoting the the psalmist of old, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I bring to recollection all that God has said. And because of that, I'm able to walk through with a a manifest joy. And my joy is determined not by my circumstances, but by my relationship. So, my focus is on my relationship, not on the circumstances, because circumstances are subject to change. And if my emotion is tied to my circumstances, they will be experiencing a roller coaster ride because the circumstances of life do go up and down. And that's where the majority of Christians live. That's why they come in sometimes not feeling like praising God. Because they don't have any understanding of joy. Amen? Amen. You see, and joy isn't walking around the place with a supercilious smile on your face all the time. You understand? See, I can be totally at peace with everything. And I can be focused on something. Somebody says, gee, you're intense. Yeah, intense doesn't mean I don't have joy. You understand? Okay? The minute that the devil can steal your joy, you're going to tie your affections to your circumstances. Your circumstances come into focus. Amen? Now, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Hebrew word for strength there is endurance. The joy of the Lord is my endurance. My endurance. And I want you to hold that thought because you see, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul writing to the church at Philippi says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long, uh, and longed for, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord. A lot of Christians are in a battle and they're standing fast but they're standing like they're about to fail. They're standing expecting to be defeated. They are not standing there with the joy of the Lord as their endurance. They're standing there hoping that this too will soon come to pass. And the longer the battle goes on, the weaker they get. Because they're not standing. Paul exhorts them, stand in the strength of the Lord. Stand in the Lord. Stand, stand. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God. And having done all to stand, stand. Well, what am I going to stand on? I'm going to stand on my faith in God. But dear Lord, if I really have faith in God, I will have joy while I'm standing because I know I'm coming through. Yes. A lot of Christians, they walk in the doors and they're in a battle. Oh, my Lord. They let everybody know they're in a battle. How are you doing, brother? Oh, the battle. What are you talking about? Shouldn't be fighting any battles except a faith fight. Oh, I know he's out there. But if you're standing by faith, You may be in a pressurized situation, but if you're really standing by faith, you know that your faith cannot fail. This is the faith that overcometh the world, isn't it? And we have a look with the eye of faith to the end result, and the end result is victory. So why do you not stand in joy? I just thought I'd throw that out. So joy is a spiritual stance. In order to be a joy-filled Christian, you've got to learn to draw from the love of God in your spirit. I believe that Christians who have no joy have not learned to live in the spirit realm. You haven't. Because you see, what does the Word of God tell us? Rome, where's Mark? Romans 17? 17? 17. 17. Oh, 17. No, no? Have a check. What? what? No, I don't want Romans one you You're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. 14.17? 14.17? Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Say righteousness. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't say anything else about the kingdom of God. What is it that's going to separate you from the people out in the world? The manifestation of the life of God on the inside of you. But the average Christian thinks that the manifestation of the life of God on the inside of them is this. When there's a problem, you point your finger and lightning comes out of your finger and destroys people. That's not it. It's the manifestation of the fruit of the recreated human spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. And we need to understand this. I, I believe that Christians who have not experienced joy haven't learned to live in the spirit realm. Because in the spirit realm, your, your eyes are elevated above the circumstances of life and you know what the end result is. So you can have joy and maintain your joy irrespective of what's going on round about here. Too many Christians are focused in on the circumstances. And that's why I made the statement when we started that working in joy, uh, walking in joy is dependent on what you're looking at. If you're looking at your circumstances or you're looking at God. And your relationship with Him. See? Now, I think there's been a problem because in in recent years, people who've grown up in the word faith movement, and I'm one of them, have been taught, don't be moved by what you see or what you hear. See? In other words, don't be influenced by it. And I think that that is a principle, but I think it's brought us to a place where we have concluded that the Christian experience must be devoid of all feelings in order to be real. And we've got a real problem now, because God made me with feelings, and God made me with emotions. And if I'm made like that, then God has feelings and God has emotion, because I'm made in His image and His likeness. See, I don't just feel in the natural realm. I feel in the emotions. The emotions is in the mind. And the mind is the part of me linked with my spirit, man, which is the eternal aspect. You are not going to go to heaven mindless. I mean, Jesus had emotion. Jesus cried. I guarantee you, the the pictures that we've got of Jesus walking around, down at the mouth, solemn, somber. Dear God in heaven, who wants to follow that? Come along and be like Jesus. you mad. Why do you think I go out there and shoot a hole in the sky every Friday and Saturday night? Because I don't want to be like that. I'm trying to get happy. Yeah, right. yeah. I believe that Jesus laughed. He had to. He was surrounded by a bunch of, you know... <laughs> some guy that just couldn't believe anything. Even if the sun rose in the east, he couldn't believe that the sun was going to... I doubt whether that sun will rise again this morning, Jesus. There was Peter wanted to get in and do everything before anything had happened. Nothing was in place, but he was determined he was going to be there. I don't think that the Sons of Thunder were called the Sons of Thunder for nothing either. I've got a feeling that there were some characteristics there. Got a guy in there that's stealing out of the till. And Jesus knows, so he's surrounded by a bunch of goons. Okay, They didn't stay that way, thank God. But I mean, I think to start with, and you know we got this idea that these guys were old these were not old guys. In actual fact they were probably about between 17 and 19 years of age. Interesting, isn't it? That Jesus chose those young guys to take them and teach them and uh, and they were wealthy. I'll get into that at some stage. But we have to understand what God is doing so God doesn't want me to to be devoid of my feelings. So I've got feelings, and I've got emotions, but the problem is with the most Christians, we let our feelings control us instead of controlling our feelings. Amen. Now that's where we run into problems. How does joy come? I'm going to, I'm going to make this uh, suggestion. I believe that joy comes by applying the Scriptures to my life. Yeah. Okay. Now joy is there. I've got to learn to release this. I want to read two passages of Scripture to you. One of them is Deuteronomy chapter 28. But I'm not going to concentrate on the the, uh, passage that many times we've quoted here. But Deuteronomy chapter 28, and there are two verses I want to read there, verses 47 and 48. Listen to what God says here. God says, "...because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness..." And with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want. And He will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until you've been destroyed. Why? Not because you weren't serving God, but because you didn't serve Him in joyfulness and gladness of heart. So there's got to be something about this joyfulness and gladness of heart exercise that every Christian has got to come to. You've got to develop it and you've got to learn to release it endurance. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the strength in every time of pressure, in every adverse circumstance. When all hell's arrayed against me, the joy of the Lord will enable me to look way beyond the circumstances of my life, know what the outcome is, and I'll walk through it with joy, because I will will endure. The joy of the Lord is my endurance. Now, I want to I, that passage that I've just read to you in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. I want to tie that up with James chapter one, James chapter one, and three verses from there. Starting to read at verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now he's writing here to the church. He's not saying, do your best to escape them. He's saying they're coming down the pike. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, that's not talking about a woman running around naked, temptation, temptation, temptation. It's not that kind of temptation. More accurately translated, tests and trials. Okay? Okay. Now let me talk to you just for a minute and give you a a very brief explanation of what a trial is. A trial is an attempt by the enemy to steal something of value from the believer. A trial is an attempt by the enemy to steal something of value from the believer. It may be your peace of mind. It may be your joy. It may be your finances. It may be a relationship. It may be health from your body. It may be the Word. But He says, count it all joy. Because you see, the enemy can't do what you don't let him do. But in that pressurized situation, God has provided for His children His character tray of joy which enables us to handle the situation no matter how intense it gets. You cannot be overcome. The enemy does not have the power to overcome you unless you succumb. So count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, tests and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, and I want you to see what's being tested, It's not your commitment to Jesus. It's not your love for the Lord that is being tested. Knowing this, that the trial of your faith. The enemy comes in against you and questions you, challenges you concerning your position that you've taken on the Word of God. If you're standing on the Word of God, you'll be operating by faith. If you stand on the Word of God and keep standing on the Word of God, it doesn't matter what happens round about you. As long as you're standing by faith, you're going to come through victorious because heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God abides forever. Let me just stop and qualify this. Because your quoting of the word does not indicate or mean that you are standing. Quoting is not standing, necessarily. It's the revelation of truth that you've got on the inside. If you know that you cannot be shaken, if you know that you cannot be moved, if you know that greater is He that is in you, I'm talking about not knowing in your head, knowing in your knower, That greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. If you know that, you can't can't be shaken. You'll come through victoriously. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. It's the revelation of that truth that the enemy has no resistance to. Because the minute he raises his head, out out of your mouth from your spirit, man, comes the word of God. And that word is the living word of God. It's the truth of the word released from your mouth. And the enemy's defeated. He will flee from you. The majority of Christians haven't got it in here because you haven't spent the time in the Word getting it in here. We've gone through this process, changing the dots, etc., etc., etc. The confession of the Word. The first aspect of confession is for you. That whole first phase is for thee. Not for the enemy. You're quoting the word like that is to rearrange the dots of failure and defeat on the inside of your mind. This is where the battleground is six inches between your ears. Right. If you don't see yourself victorious, if you don't see yourself overcoming, you will not be. It doesn't matter how much you love God, unless God supernaturally intervenes. But then he's playing favorites. Because the just shall live by faith. Not by hope. So I've got to learn to operate this way. And it's for the young, and it's for the old. It's for those that are new in the Lord, and it's for those who have been in the, the Lord for many years and haven't learned this. I was, I was in the Lord. I was born again. If i died then, I would have gone to heaven. 1980, I got this message. That's a long time ago, but I'll tell you, relative to other people, it's not a long time ago because I was born again way before that. 20 years before that. So for 20 years I walked, and I just thought every time that I got sick, everything, uh, it's just the, the Lord's will for me. What is the lesson I can learn in this? Uh, really, that's the way I approached it, because that's what I was taught. I didn't, knew, uh, I didn't know it was the devil kicking hell out of me, trying to steal my life. Just think back, your finances. Think back over the last five years, all the money that you've spent on doctors and doctors bills and medication now I'm not saying anything wrong with doctors what I am saying however is this that if you went to dr. Jesus and you learned how to receive a manifestation of healing from him imagine how much money you would have saved That's right. is that okay yeah. Yeah. you guys with families and your families have grown up just think for the last 20 years what you would have saved in medical bills If you'd learned how to lay your hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. You learn to walk as the king in that home and make sure the demonic influence is broken the minute it raises its head in your home. Save you a fortune. Could have gone on holiday and taken me with you. (laughs) See? Have a look here. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There are three promises to the joyful endurers. Number one, you will mature. That's perfect. Number two, you will be entire, complete. And number three, you will want for nothing. Because when the want manifests, you will have learned how to get that need met. Wanting nothing. 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 See? And you and I, the spirit being, are in charge of our body. We're in charge of our soul. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, the spirit man, present your body a living sacrifice. Problem with a living sacrifice? It always wants to get off the altar of sacrifice. See? Doesn't want to stay dead. My will, my will, my desires, my longings. All right? And that, when that's in opposition to what God wants, then it's called flesh. It's what the Bible calls flesh. This is not your flesh that the Bible talks about. This is just your earth suit. But it's my will diametrically opposed to God, set in opposition to God's will. And then of course you've got Ephesians four twenty three. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind, so we're also in charge of our minds. Amen. Be renewed in the spirit. Another word, for spirit is not the Holy Spirit, it's the attitude of your mind. Amen. And a whole lot of Christians need to have a new attitude of mind. Is your attitude of mind one of failure and defeat? Well, God will sometimes, and God wants other times. Or is your attitude of mind, my mind is renewed? Whatever I set my hand to prospers. God said, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. He said, I'm blessed in the basket and in the store, in the city and in the field, coming in and going out. He said that if the enemy comes in against me one way, he will flee before me seven ways. I'm learning to make the enemy flee. See? But that's the spirit of your mind. You walk into a situation and discerning right on the inside. You don't have to say, oh... Oh, let me just get a discerning what's going on. I don't have to get any discerning. You walk into it and bang, you know exactly. There's something wrong here. Why? What is it? There's a spirit operating that's not in the not in the kingdom of God. That's not of the kingdom of God. I don't, well, what kind of spirit? Doesn't make any difference. Kick it out. Kick it out. But you've got to learn to do that. And then when you do that, watch what happens. You see, the spirit of your mind renewed, will enable you to do that because you'll walk in there with confidence. You'll have confidence in your authority. You'll have confidence that Jesus said that you, 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 as born-again believers can take His name. His name represents the individual. It stands for the individual. What the individual did, the name will do. He says, in my name, cast out devils. In my name, lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. We've got to do that in our homes. We've got to do that in our families. We're talking about joy. You can't walk in joy when you're not doing those things and the devil's pressurizing you at every turn and you're letting him. You've got to get on the offensive. And the offensive is, "Ah, I know he's out there. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And that's it. I don't have to spend time trying to identify that turkey, man. Amen. Just doesn't smell of the kingdom of God. And he's out. Amen. See? And I know that I'm going to go through this pressurized thing. He's going to do it again and again and again. I want you to know something. The attack that the body of Christ... I'm talking about here, at Living Faith. The one that's come against us, individually, in our families, in our own personal lives. And many of you have shared that with me. I believe that that attack... Is calculated to do one or both of two things. Number one, delay us in doing what God's called us to do. Number two, get you so involved with trying to deal with the devil, you haven't got time to deal with the other thing. Listen, folks, put that behind you. Take authority once and walk. We're going to have a nightclub. Going to right here. Right here is going to be a dance floor. Right here. Devil, right here. Amen. Right here. See? Uh, but uh, but uh, you see, this is the problem. The minute that you break out and you want to do something different for God, the devil gets real antsy. That, I want you to know. I, uh, we were talking just during the week, and God's been ministering this for some time. We're going to have some different kinds of meetings. And I'm not talking about Tuesday night, and I'm not talking about Sunday morning. But there are things coming down the pike. We've been praying people in, and God's just bringing people in. And I don't take people and just put them up on the platform. I watch their commitment. I watch whether they can run with a vision. You'll never get an individual up here who's self-promoting. If they are, it'll be the last time they stand on this platform. I promise you that. But I want you to know something. God's blessed us with some great gifting and great talent. Um, how many of you in the world used to have sundowners? What do you have? What do you call it? Happy hour. Oh, happy hour. Ah, happy hour. Ah, yeah. Come on, happy hour. Show me. Just let me have a look at happy hour, people. You know what I'm talking? Oh, ha- oh, ha- happy hour. Well, you see what I, I believe. I, I remember guys that used to go along, and they, we've got so much talent and ability. We're going to use that. Amen. We're going to use that in happy hour. Yeah. Not happy church, happy hour. <laughs> but the happy hour might go on longer than one hour. Yeah. You see, there are people who, who want to sit back and just chill and enjoy good music. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to provide that. Yeah. Yeah. It's radical. Amen. That's all right. It's all right. God's radical. Yeah. Amen. So you just keep praying. We're going to have wisdom. Now, I'm sharing that with you. Why? I don't know. It was just something. Oh, it's talking about getting, getting renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. See, a lot of Christians. I know. I shared with a pastor in this area that we're going to have a Christian, a Christian nightclub. He said to me, brother, he said, I knew you were bold. He said, but this. He did? That's verbatim. He said to me, he said, you know, you are going to have every Pharisee in Northern Virginia knocking on your door. Uh, you know, I said to him, I said, no, I don't think I will. They're chicken. They come here, I'll clean them up. And I'll, I'll do it in love, because I'm teaching about love, I'm learning. But I want you to realize something. This is going to be for those who want to do it. Nobody's made to do it. But it's also being used for you to bring your friends in so we can start bringing your friends under the right influence. There are a lot of kids running out there who are on drugs today, who are hurting. They never wanted to be there. But the church never provided a vehicle for them to enjoy themselves. The world did with all its attendant problems and sucked them right in not going to let it happen. We're taking back what's ours. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. we're taking back what's ours. So you keep praying, we're going to have wisdom and understanding. Now, as I'm walking, as I'm learning to release uh, this joy, I've got to have a knowledge of the scriptures. They're important. I accept that, all right? But I think you've got to realize that when I have a knowledge of the scriptures, the scriptures have got to be made alive to me by the Spirit, because the letter of the law kills. It's the Spirit that gives life. And I am an emotional person, and so are you. But emotions are not the basis for judging what is happening in the spirit realm. We've got to understand that. It's not the emotions or through the emotions that we get things done. Emotions are important, but they are not primary. Emotions are important, but they are not primary. What is primary is oper- learning to operate spiritually As a recreated human spirit, with the power and the life of God, that is primary. So I don't have a look at the circumstance. I'm aware of them, but I don't pay them attention. My focus is on what God's Word has said the end result is going to be. I will go through this. Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why not? Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Well, it's talking about, that's not talking about death. It's talking about life for the Christian in the world. This is the valley of the shadow of death. And you're walking through it. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're going to come through this. He said, with long life, I will bless you. Now, God is a reciprocal for pain and for sorrow. It's called joy. Every day, we need to learn to rely on God by meditating, thinking, and talking about the things that make you joy-filled. Now, very quickly, three things that you've got to do in order to walk in joy. Number one, decide to do it. Decide to do it. Joy is a decision. It's on the inside of you. But I tell you, it'll never be manifest until you decide I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to walk in love, and therefore as I walk in love, I can have the experience of joy released through me because I'm going to be pleasing the Father, I'm going to be doing the will of the Father, and the end result is using my authority, all that heaven has provided for me, I'm going through the circumstances, and I can do it with the right attitude that's going to call the attention of the world to a person who's able to handle adversity in an overcoming way. And they're going to say, how did you do that? You've got to decide. Walking in joy is a decision. Just like walking in depression is a decision. Amen? Amen. See? Joy comes from within, not from without. Uh, You may feel anger, and you may feel bitterness, pain, rejection, or resentment. But you've got to make the decision to control your emotions and not let your emotions control you. That leads to the second point. Not only do you have to decide, number one, to walk with joy, number two, you've got to decide to control your emotions. Proverbs fifteen fifteen in the Living Bible says this, When a man is gloomy, everything seems to go wrong. When he is cheerful, everything seems to go right. Now, I think that's pretty... Plain and, and we understand that. Joy is the ability to rejoice continually in what God is ultimately going to do, even though it doesn't appear that He's doing anything at the moment. Joy sees the end of the matter with the eye of faith. Now, you may be wounded, and you may be crying, and you may be even bleeding, but your confidence in God, which is expressed by your joy, is your greatest strength because you realize that you're passing through it, and this too will come to pass. If you feel that you can't utter positive words, pray in the Spirit until you can. Build yourself up. The love of God in you will flow into your emotions and make you strong. And the third point is this. Cooperate with the Spirit. Cooperate with the Spirit. You have to release the force of joy from within you. Oh brother, you don't know the circumstances again uh, that are against me. Philippians 4:13 says you can do all things through Christ. And that includes release joy from the inside of you. If joy is not released, it's not manifest. And the fruit of the spirit, every one of them are there only when they are manifest. Joy is a manifestation. Joy has an appearance. It can be seen just like any of the other byproducts of the Holy Spirit's presence can be seen. Now, the Lord gave this to me this afternoon, and I'm just going to follow through with this. I believe that there are some of you who've lost your joy, and I believe that there are some of you who've never really been prepared to release joy. You think that some of you are even in leadership. Well, I'm in leadership, and that's not expected of me. I want you to know something that's expected of you more than anybody else. Because, dear Lord, if you don't have it, who on earth are they going to follow? You've got to learn to do this. So I'm going to pray, because the Lord told me to do this, I'm going to pray for those who want prayer, who need a touch from God tonight. Just remember what I've told you. Joy is a decision. You make a decision to release it. You have to control your negative emotions. Anger, hurt, fear, resentment, rejection. Some of you, the devil keeps you in in a state of continued oppression because you feel you're not worth it. You're not worthy. Jesus made all of us worthy. All of us worthy. Nobody made themselves worthy. And the third thing is you've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit.